Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again for another episode. Today, you're in for a real treat because I have David Bunker. David is the Compliance Officer at Vulcan Inc., I've known David a long time in the compliance space. He's one of the top compliance professionals around, and he is going to visit with us today on a topic that um, I don't think many compliance officers have really thought through, but I think it's going to become more and more important, and it is managing conflict of interest risks in the gig economy. So, David, first of all, I thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. It's a pleasure, Tom. So, David, I think most of our listeners are going to be somewhat familiar with the gig economy. They're certainly going to be familiar with the types of work structures that uh, millennials or even people like myself who are independent contractors do, where we work for multiple different clients, maybe overlapping, maybe uh, one at a time, maybe serial. But you as a uh, chief compliance officer and as, frankly, an employer of these types of people, how would you think through the managing a conflict of interest, and why is it different than, a, say, a traditional employer-employee role? I think the it's really just thinking through that they will have these other roles, and they can be beneficial. And it's just making certain that we really focus on where are the real conflicts, not just that they're working somewhere else as well, or they've got another interest outside of work. It's does that really do us any harm? And if it's not doing us any harm, that's all good. These people are looking for many sources of income in many cases. Other times it's just purely for interest. And that should be encouraged. Yeah, this makes people a better rounded individual. It helps them to be who they want to be in society. Well, David, it sounds like to me you've just described a risk management process. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, that's fair. And that's exactly how we got into this. We did a risk assessment, and this came out as our biggest risk, well, biggest unmanaged risk. And so we put in a process to bring it into the daylight so we could then manage it through. And, yeah, we built guidance as we went through. But many of these things are so different from each other. You have to treat it quite independently. Because somebody's role and their role outside of the company will just mean that the conflict is quite different. But if you go into it with an open mind, you can find some interesting things and build it out. So, David, we've actually had FCPA enforcement actions involving uh, temporary or contract employees. We've certainly had the example of a few years back with the NFL referees went on strike and they had temporary referees in, and there was questions around whether they had been properly trained. But it sounds like to me this is a little bit different because you are taking the uh, information provided to you and then managing that risk. How do you, as the compliance officer, have visibility into the hiring uh, literally in a gig economy? I know you're in Seattle, so I assume that that is not an unusual aspect of a hiring situation in Seattle. We have that all the time. It's just normal here. It is a challenge. But we look at it that if somebody's here, as soon as they're doing certain amounts of work for us, we have to manage that risk. So if we pick on cybersecurity, if they are going to be inside our IT infrastructure, we have to train them on cybersecurity. 
if they were going to be approaching a foreign government on our behalf, we'd have to train them on FCPA. The difficulty is understanding their roles sufficiently well so you can apply the training. And that's an ongoing challenge, but it's what you have to do. You don't want to train them all in everything because that just becomes burdensome for people, but you need to find the right training for the right people and move forward from that. Let me maybe flip the perspective a little bit, David. How do you find that not employees, but independent contractors or others that you might hire respond to this type of approach where you determine what their roles are, what that risk might be for the company, and then deliver them a focused uh, training? They're actually very happy with a lot of this. The last thing an independent contractor needs is their reputation being damaged by us turning to them and saying there's a conflict between your customer here and your customer there or what you've just done over there. They need to know where those lines are. And we need to be clear to them what we're expecting. And if you do that appropriately and respectfully, they're very good with it. And yes, it will at times bring up some difficult conversations, but it's better to have those difficult conversations when you're still all being polite to each other rather than having a big fight later on. So it just enables you to bring these things into the open and manage it better. That's really our our aim. David, are you able to deliver this risk management process through your HR or hiring process? And by that, I mean, is that where the initial conversation would start to determine or identify potential conflicts of interest and then explaining the policy? Or is that something you as the compliance officer would actually do? It's a bit of all of the above. We try to get it right in at the hiring process the best we can. And most of the time that works very smoothly. Occasionally things go through a slightly different contracting process and then we have to pick it up afterwards. But most of the time it gets picked up right at the beginning and we can then bring it out and manage it through. So we try to work with people before they come through the door really to ensure that we don't have a problem. And so far, it's extremely rare that we really have a problem. It's just bringing it into the open so that then we can walk it through. But then it's training people with that extra, the extra elements. And of course, we have to be careful that we don't damage the independent contractor status, but we can work through those pieces as well. To sort of put this in uh, hyper-compliance speak, it sounds like to me you've really operationalized this process by using a variety of corporate disciplines and tools at the corporation's disposal to identify the risk and then manage it going forward. That's right. I mean, compliance can't work in a silo. I think the two of us have discussed this before. You have to work hand-in-hand with your business colleagues. You have to build your systems into their systems You can't keep on expecting them to go out and do yet another process on the side. If you build it into their process, these things just pop up almost like a sort of just another sidebar to their normal process. And it doesn't slow things down. It keeps things moving. And your job as a compliance person is to ensure that you don't slow it down, except for those few times when it's worthwhile. But even then, If you're in a hiring situation, you can get people on the phone very quickly, you can work through the risk, you can document it up, and you move forwards. So, David, I've heard you speak several times over the years, and one of the things that's always struck me 
in your remarks is how important it is for compliance to do exactly what you just described, to work with other functional disciplines within the corporation, not uh, deliver a solution from on high, but really work with them as partners. Has that process that I have heard you describe in the past, is that what you're using in this process with the other corporate functions in Vulcan? Yes, it is. I mean, we work hand in hand, well, constantly. I help support their programs. They help support mine. A lot of these groups like to be able to wheel around the compliance officer thing at times. That helps get some of their policies and procedures put with a bit more strength. And I need to know what's going on and have information flowing through. So we all have to just help each other. And that way we can make things better for the company, but also keep it practical, keep it real to real life. If we're not careful, compliance can be a wonderful ivory tower. We have to get down into the weeds to really help people through. Well, David, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I really wanted to thank you. I think this has been a really most enlightening conversation, and I look forward to uh, continuing this discussion. I've been visiting with David Bunker, the Compliance Officer at Volcanique. David, thank you. It's a pleasure, Tom. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.